0: Welcome back to another episode of Speak to the Beak. I am Tim the Ferds, coming at you on a Wednesday morning. Normally we're Fridays for football, um, but we did have some NBA news. So we fly in solo for the podcast today. We have some, uh, think of it as a bonus. You know, you get a little bonus podcast. Um, So we'll be talking about, you know, some trades that already happened or or are going to happen uh, some speculation. Some guys kind of declined their option. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot more news, but I figured we'd just go through the first little flurry of, um, you know, moves and transactions that kind of happened already, as well as my quick thoughts to those reactions. I mean, to those moves, excuse me. So um, I'm kind of just going to go in order in the way that they're kind of listed on the. Uh, how they came in so let's just get right into it let's do it uh, but first off I will say on the dot com there I already did uh, a blog that is coming out this morning which would be Wednesday uh, discussing some of these moves so if you're trying to read that you could definitely do that um, as, as always like comment and share me and Lou normally throw that in at the end of the pod but Since we're giving you some bonus content, maybe you could give us a little love. Um, We'll hit you up at the beginning of the podcast, and you can you know, maybe tell your friend about it or whatever. Um, So here we go. First one, uh, the defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers, uh, acquired Dennis Schroeder from the Thunder for Danny Green and a first-round pick. So we'll kind of go each team here. So the Lakers stole Schroeder uh, from the Thunder because this is pretty much, they got him for free. Uh, Danny Green was all over the map for the Lakers last year. He was in and out of the you know, starting rotation. Uh, he did play okay in the playoffs. I mean, he had some terrible games where people roasted him. But he's a 3 and D guy. Um, I mean, obviously, he's older, so he was just a throw-in. He's probably going to get traded uh, by the Thunder. And a first-round pick, pick number 28, um, I'm I'm no basketball expert, quote unquote. But um, for me in the NBA, if you're not picking in the top like twelve of the draft, it's a crapshoot. Like that pick is useless to me. Like I, I trade my if I was a good team like the Lakers, I would trade my first round pick every year for you know a twenty seven year old guy who still has two years left on his contract who's solid. Um, Schroeder can run the offense for sure for the Lakers. Uh, they needed backcourt help in like the absolute worst way. Uh, Rondo opted out. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him or not. KCP opted out. Someone's going to pick him up and grossly overpay him. Uh, I mean, as we know, last year LeBron was pretty much the starting point guard for the Lakers. Schroeder can shoot uh, like a de- at a decent clip, um, and he can play defense, which is good because the Lakers obviously um, there's a lot of guards in the West, so you got to have someone who can play defense. And this kind of gets the ball out of LeBron's hands a little bit. So you can actually run an offense and not just run the, uh, you know, 1 4 pick and rolls. They'll switch in and LeBron goes to the hoop. So you can actually have a little more uh, of an actual system going on there. So, I mean, listen, the Lakers, they stole him. But I get, at first, when the Thunder did it, I was really confused. I was like, why are you giving this guy away? And then the next move we're going to get into in a second. Kind of um, further detailed why that got rid of Schroeder. So, I said the Thunder got a first round pick and Danny Green. I'm assuming that first round pick is going to be packaged with their other first round picks. We're going to get to, we're going to talk about the Thunder in depth in a second. Um, so, I think the Lakers made a great trade, especially because it looked like the DeMar DeRozan to the Lakers thing um, probably wasn't going to happen. I know the Lakers were also trying to get Drew Holiday. They tried giving up Kuzma. Pelicans didn't want it, allegedly. Um, how crazy would that would have been? though? The Pelicans would have just become the Lakers, but placed in New Orleans. They would have had Ingram, Kuzma, you know, Josh Hart, all those guys the Lakers traded to get AD. So that would have been funny. But definitely need for the Lakers right there. They filled it. Um, obviously, they. I don't think the Lakers are done because you know LeBron and AD are trying to going to recruit as many people as they can to play there um for the thunder though let's move into their next move because this is where we're going to talk about the thunder a little bit more in depth uh the second move which is why the first move made sense they traded chris paul to the phoenix suns and got kelly Oubre and ricky rubio and another first round pick um now how the thunder let me give you a timeline here so they swapped originally westbrook and chris paul in a trade last year I, will, I mean, it's weird, because the season would have technically started already, but last off season, they made that move, um, and everyone thought both of those contracts were untradeable, Westbrook and Chris Paul. Um, Chris Paul actually led the Thunder into the playoffs, obviously, if you watch basketball, you know that, um, and he stayed healthy the whole season, which was huge for the Thunder, because then they were able to trade him. Obviously, the Thunder are are starting their rebuild, like, complete teardown incoming, Um so Chris Paul netted them Rubio, Ubre, and a first-round pick. So let's talk about the Suns first, and then we could spend a lot of time on the Thunder after that. So for Phoenix, this is a great trade for a couple reasons. One, they actually have a true point guard. Uh, Chris Paul is actually like a floor general. He's like what I call i call them real point guards, you know, like whatever. Like Kyrie Irving just dribbles, 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 and then scores. Like James Harden, I don't count them as like real point guards. They're kind of just like guys they give the ball to. Chris Paul actually like sets up plays and puts people in the right position. He's almost like a coach on the court. Like if you're not a basketball guy and you can imagine like, you know, a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees, like just putting everyone in the right spot at the right time to make plays, that's what Chris Paul is. He plays defense, he knows how to win, he's a leader. The thing I like about Chris Paul is he's old school. If you're one of these new guys coming up and you're a diva, he's gonna tell you where to stick it. Alright? So that's why I love Chris Paul number one. Number two, this really helps Devin Booker because, now, Devin Booker's super, super talented. Um, obviously, really elite scorer, uh, could shoot the lights out, could dribble, ball handle, all that other stuff. But, if when he has to play the true point position, uh, Booker can get a little, you know, like Kyrie or Harden where he just pounds the air out of the ball and then goes to the hoop or takes a shot, so not only does paul help booker because booker no longer has to handle the ball like you know as like the point guard quote unquote but it also helps the other young players on the suns develop because paul is going to get everyone touches in the right spots they're supposed to be which leads me to my next point which is deandre ayton um now obviously the suns butchered that pick because they could have had luka doncic who is incredible or trey young who is really gifted on offense and can't play defense for nothing, but he'll score 40 any given night. Chris Paul can really help Ayton kind of take that next step. Um, I know it's against contrary belief, and this might be you know like an unpopular take, but I, I tell my friends all the time like if you had a true like I know because no one plays with a center anymore, right? Like a like a traditional center because you get stretched out on defense and they can't really guard in the perimeter. And all the other stuff, but like these guys that are coming up that play center now, like you know, Jokic and Bead Ayton if he took that next step, you know, Gobert, even though Gobert's not really an offensive, like elite offensive player, but guys like that, they know how to guard in space because all these like AAU teams and these college teams are trying to stretch the floor out. But if you developed like a back to the basket big man like Aiton who didn't really need to shoot? You could throw, like who's covering this guy? Like he could play defense in space because he's agile enough. He's been doing it his whole life, but no one has really like a dominant post game. It's everything's pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. But I mean, like think about it. If Aiden became like, or I mean, it's a bad example because Shaq is like on a different level. But like if you threw Shaq in the low block, who's guarding him in today's NBA? Nobody. He'd bully everyone he bully every single person that covered him. Now, obviously, he bullied people back in the day, so he's a bad example. But any of those guys that had a really good post game, you could just back the ball down. I mean, every, everything's a foul nowadays. So if the defense even, you're going to make their center foul out. So I think Paul is not only going to help Ayton get easier baskets, but I think with Paul being able to spread it around. I think Phoenix might actually get the ball into the post a little bit more to Aiden. Now, I'm not saying he's turning into Shaquille O'Neal overnight. That's not what I'm saying. But those are easy baskets. Because if you think about it, other than Gobert in the West, who really has like a dominant big? I mean, Nurkic is dominant on offense. He doesn't really play any defense. You know? like Obviously, Anthony Davis. But he could be bullied. He's kind of soft. So... I think Paul just helps the entire team. Um, and this will really help, you know, start their, kickstart their, like, push to the playoffs. I don't know if they're a playoff team because the West is, like, tough. I mean, if you hear super national media members talk about the Western Conference and they list off all these teams that can make the playoffs, they literally list, like, the entire conference. It's, like, out of control. <laughs> That's how good the Western Conference is. There's, like, two or three, like, super top tier teams. And then literally teams like 3 through, you know, 12 could all land anywhere through 3 through 12. That's how good the Western Conference is. So I think it's a great trade for Phoenix. It'll get all of their young players kick and it might help uh, people forget that the Suns pass on donch. It's over Aiden, even though I doubt it's going to be brought up forever. Um, but to the Thunder real quick, if you're interested in the Thunder, they picked up Kelly Oubre, who I'm assuming is going to be traded. They picked up Ricky Rubio, who I'm assuming is going to be traded. And they acquired another first-round pick. So obviously, Thunder are clearing out the entire backcourt. So uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander can play all the starting minutes there. He was the main piece other than the 9,000 first-round picks they got from the Clippers and the Paul George trade. Obviously, they're building the team around them. I don't think the Thunder are done yet. Uh, Danilo Danilo Gallinari will probably be signed and traded is what I'm thinking. To wear, I don't really know, because there's a lot of guys I could use. Someone like Danilo Gallinari, like I could literally list like 20 teams right now that could use Gallinari on their team. Um, and then Stephen Adams, rebounding machine, uh, good offensive player, good, you know, solid defensive player. I'm assuming he's going to get moved as well. Um, like I think the Thunder are going to tear this down like to the studs and have have Gilgis Alexander, and then just like draft a ton of people. Um, I was counting their first-round picks up between the picks they got, their own picks and the Clippers' picks and, you know, some of the other picks they got, like the Suns' pick and the Lakers' pick, whatever. They could have potentially up to 17 first-round draft picks, um, which is just straight out of bananas land, let me tell you. (laughs) I never heard that number in terms of first-round draft picks. Um, And the the key for the Thunder, which I don't want to spend too much time on because, obviously, this is like an off-season thing, they own the Clippers first round pick, I think, until like 2025 or 2026, something like that. I remember the Clippers traded the first round pick for like a million years. But the Clippers, I think, I'm pretty sure Kawhi and Paul George have an out in their contract after like a certain amount of time. So like if the Clippers thing doesn't work, and then you know, Kawhi decides to leave and Paul George gets traded, the Clippers picks are gonna could be potentially super valuable. Because the Clippers would then be in a rebuild, and then you'd have you know two lottery picks, almost guaranteed every year. Um, and then, obviously, the Lakers pick they just got was this year, 2020, so that pick's not going anywhere. But that's just something to keep an eye on with the Thunder. And I wouldn't be surprised if they could flip Gallinari and or Adams, or some of the pieces they get from those trades, like Oubre and Rubio, if they package them, they can get more first-round picks. Like, you're, lo- you're looking at a team... I could literally have 20 first round picks between now and 2020, you know, six, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And you know how crazy that is? That's like three first round, yeah, right? Cuz that would be 6 years 3. No, that's even more than that. If they had 20. That would be like sometime mostly three, but sometimes four first round picks every season from now until 2024. And I'm interested to see if it works for this reason because in baseball, right? There's no lottery. So if you were terrible, you're just guaranteed the first pick. And that's kind of how the Astros got loaded. Same with the Cubs, right? They just tanked directly. They were like, listen, we don't even care. We're tanking. They were awful for like three or four years. And then the Astros brought up, you know, Correa, Bregman, Altuve was already there, right? Like Lance McCullers. They were able to trade for Garrett Cole with some of those prospects. They brought up so many guys that it was just, even though obviously people hate them because they cheated, whatever. But, like, even this year, right? The punishments came down. They played at a neutral site. They got to game seven of the ALCS, So they're super talented, right? Cubs did the same thing. They traded, um well, they kind of kickstarted theirs because they traded Andrew Kashner for Anthony Rizzo. But Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, they picked up uh, Javi Baez, Schwarber, like, all these guys. Were draft picks are guys they got out of the farm system that, like, they got in a trade, like, for a veteran player. But I don't know if that works in basketball, right? I mean, if you think about it, the Knicks have been terrible since, like, since I was born. Now, part of that is because, you know, Dolan's an idiot and will mess up the team any chance he could get. So, But you're not guaranteed like that superstar player, you know what I mean? Like, you could have as many first-round picks as you want, but you're you're really banking on your player development. And that's what I'm interested to see, to see if this strategy actually works. Because you have teams that tank in the NBA, like, one or two years, and they try to, like, go all in a little bit early, and then they fall flat on their face, and they have to rebuild again. Um, I think the Thunder are in this for the long haul. They have no money on the books after they trade um, Adams and... Gallinari, even though I'm pretty sure Gallinari's a free agent, but not the point. Sign a trade is what I mean. Um, once and Gilders Alexander's not making any money. Like if they hit on a bunch of their draft picks in the next three years, I mean obviously this is down the line, but you're looking at a team that could have three max contract spots available and tons, tons and tons and tons of young, talented players. Like, that, that could be crazy, and that's what I'm interested to see. Like I said, we're kind of far away on that, but that's kind of where the Thunder are headed. Um, quick tip, though. Fantasy basketball, Gilgis Alexander's usage rate this year is going to be through the roof. Make sure you pick him up, fantasy basketball. Um, all right, here we go. Next move. Uh, this one's not a super big deal. Uh, Portland traded Trevor Ariza and a first-round pick and a protected first-round pick in 2021 for Robert Covington. Uh, good trade for Portland. I mean, obviously Arese is older. Covington's good. I mean, he's been playing the five for Houston, which is ridiculous. I doubt he's going to play the five for Portland, but good rim protector. Can guard out on the uh, on the edge, uh, on the wings. Three and D guy fits perfectly with Portland because he doesn't have to take a, a lot, a ton of shots to be effective. Kind of think like uh, Gary Trent, what they, he did in the bubble for Portland. But now you kind of have a second one of them, just guys who can give it all out on defense and hit a couple of big threes. I mean, Portland's team is centered around four guys, as far as I'm concerned. Dame, McCollum, Nurkic, and then whoever they keep out of Collins or Whiteside. I don't know if Whiteside's going to stick around. So if you're getting, like, I I think they might bring Carmelo back, too. So, like, now you're looking at a team, because committed Carmelo is still, like, solid. Covington's solid. Gary Trent is solid. You just need Dame and McCollum to stay healthy, and you're looking good. Uh, for Houston, this is obviously pointing towards a rebuild, and we're going to spend a ton of time on Houston uh, in a little bit. So we're going to hold off on that. Those are kind of my quick thoughts on the uh, Portland and Houston trade. Uh, the next one, uh, these are the big ones for the Bucks. So they did, it's two separate trades, but uh, we'll go one at a time. So they acquired Drew Holiday from the Pelicans and a second round pick, so whatever. Uh, they got Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps, and that's all the way to 2027, so that's like super far down the line. Um, That's pretty much what the Lakers gave up to get Anthony Davis, so the fact they valued Drew Holiday that high uh, is saying something to me. Um, Obviously, Drew Holiday... Really good defensive player, can make his own shot, can create for others. He's, like, super underrated. Um, That was a really good get by Milwaukee, and they didn't really have to give up much in terms of players right now. Uh, They also picked up Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich, sorry, his name's a tongue twister, for, uh, you know, a couple of guys on their bench, DiVincenzo, Arsenio Iusova, DJ Wilson. I don't even know who DJ Wilson is. I'll be straight up with you. (laughs) So Bogdanovich and Holiday were the two guys they really acquired in those moves. Um, this tells me a couple things about the Bucks. Number one would be, and this, is, this was picked up by national media right away because obviously they have sources. I do not have sources. I podcast from the upstairs of my house. Um, but any, anyone with eyes can see. This pretty much tells you one thing off the bat. They're signing Giannis to the Supermax because there's no way... You trade the equivalent of five first-round picks for someone, any player, if you know you're going to be terrible for the next five years. Because if Giannis leaves, they would be terrible, right? There's no way you do that. So they either know that Giannis is a 110% signing the Supermax, or they're saying, hey, we got you the help you needed, and then... He'll sign the Supermax after that. So I would assume that's number one. Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee. Um, Number two, the second thing this tells me is they know their roster is not good enough. And that's saying something considering they play in the Eastern Conference. Now, the East is better, obviously, now than it was a couple of years ago. But to get bounced by the Raptors, I think they got swept by the Raptors two years ago. And then this year, they got embarrassed by the Miami Heat. Called that, by the way, just saying. Um, slide that up in there. That, that can't happen with a team with Giannis on it. Like, I, I get it. Basketball's on a one-man sport. I'm totally with you on that. But you can't not make it to the Eastern Conference Finals every year with the best player in the conference. Now, I think Kevin Durant's better than Giannis, but obviously Kevin Durant didn't play last year which by default makes Giannis the best player in the conference because Kevin Durant's not out there. Um, this gives Milwaukee a ton of extra firepower. Obviously, Holiday can hit shots and drive and you know, control an, an offense. Bogdanovich can hit shots off the dribble or catch and shoot. Middleton can hit shots. Now, Middleton's not your number two anymore. He's your number three, your number four. You still have Giannis. The Lopez's are going to stick around. I just think they like to be there. Um, Milwaukee's a good team. My concern is not with everyone else, though. It's still with Giannis because I've been telling my buddies this for a while. He, If you're in the NBA, in today's NBA, and you can't shoot, I don't want you on my team. I, I just can't. I don't want you on my team. Unless before, like I said, Aiton, like back to the you know, basket center, just bully him, grind him down type of guy. There aren't any of those for a reason, Um, and Giannis is not one of those. Giannis can't shoot, like, at all. Like, if I went outside right now, and I shot 100 threes, and Giannis showed up outside my house, we'd probably hit about the same amount of threes, and that's not, that can't happen. (laughs) But forget even threes, he can't even hit a mid-range two. Like, if he's outside of the paint, he literally cannot hit a basket. So that's why he keeps getting eliminated in the playoffs because they keep clogging the lane and making him do something he can't do, which is, you know, you ever play pickup basketball? Everyone knows that guy where he's out there and you're like, hey, no balls, you won't shoot it. You're daring him to shoot it. And he has to look at, and it's disrespectful to that guy, right? And he normally shoots it because he's a moron and you're happy he's shooting, right? He's shooting away. But you can't do that in the NBA. You can't get away with that. But obviously Giannis is going to get better. He seems like the guy... Who's like super, super driven? I mean, you can see the way he's kind of come up through the league, but he needs to develop some type of mid range, even if it's just a corner threes only, like whatever. He has to be able to hit some shot that's outside of like five feet from the hoop. Um, that's number one. The second thing is getting Holiday gives them a legit point guard. So now Giannis doesn't have to handle the ball as much. Um, I think they're more effective when Giannis is running around. I don't think. That's Because the way they use Giannis is kind of like a 12-year-old game plan when you play like middle school basketball and you just say, oh, our best player is that kid. Give him the ball and let him do whatever he wants. That's kind of what Milwaukee does. That's not really a game plan. And I think Drew Holiday definitely helps that out. Um, Looking at the Eastern Conference landscape, I don't know if this makes Milwaukee the favorites because as of this recording on November 17th at 8, 28 p.m., I don't trust the honest in the playoffs. Obviously that could change. But obviously they're a really good team. They've been a really good team. This just makes them even better than they already were. I'll be curious to see how he does in the play. Like at this point, him, there's a couple of guys like, the, like in the league. You know, him, James Harden, Kyrie, like without LeBron, uh, you know, Westbrook trying to think who else, like, who's a really top-tier player, but, you know, struggles to get out of, like, the first round. I'm sure someone else, someone else will come to mind. Like, those types of guys, I don't care what you do in the regular season anymore. Like, you got to be able to win one or two playoff series, and you can change, like, obviously, because I thought Jimmy Butler was the problem in, you know, Minnesota and Philadelphia. It turns out I was super wrong on that, and he is not the problem at all. Everyone else is the problem because he went to Miami, and you know what he did, obviously. So those are kind of my thoughts on the Bucs. Now we get to talk about the fun stuff, which would be what are the Rockets doing? I wish I had a fancier name for this segment, but it's a lot of speculatory stuff. So apparently Russell Westbrook and James Harden want to get traded. Uh, I'm going to start with Harden first. Because I think my options are more limited for Westbrook. So with Harden, if you don't know me or you haven't read my basketball stuff, I want no part of James Harden or anyone like James Harden on any of my teams. All right. Now obviously, I'm gonna I always give I like to give examples. And my dad was you know my coach for everything growing up, intramurals, travel, whatever, until I started playing like you know like higher level sports, but low level sports. He kind of instilled like listen, if you give me 11 guys who are going to try 110% all the time, I'll beat your team of all-stars who don't care any day. And that's always stuck with me. And James Harden is exactly that all-star who has that you can start now, I'm here attitude literally cuz he's the one who called practice for the Rockets. But and I I can't have that on my team. I can't do it. He gives no effort. He's like, you know that kid when maybe you were growing up or maybe you were that kid and you kind of grew out of it where, let's say you were playing football and you weren't getting the ball thrown to you and you just started like acting like a diva? That's James Harden, but in basketball form. Um, he does not play defense. I mean, he might be allergic to defense. Like He literally has zero interest in playing defense. And keep in mind, people, defense is all about effort, which is going back to my original point. Um, he plays no defense. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass anymore. The only thing he does, like, you know, even, like, Steve Kerr actually called him out on it. Um, Everyone knows when Houston has the ball, Harden's going to pound the ball on the floor, and he's either going to take a step back three, he's going to drive to the hoop, and get a weak foul call. That's it. You know it's a 1-5 pick and roll every single possession for the whole game. And that's why I can't watch Houston Rockets games. With Mike D'Antoni as the coach, because I it's so boring. It's the whole thing over and over and over again, and even people like the late Kobe Bryant said it like you can't win in the playoffs playing that way. It's not possible, especially when you don't play defense or care. Actually, like the minute I was out on Harden was I forgot who they were playing. I I wanna I wanna say it was San Antonio, but I can't remember. I'd have to look. Where Houston's getting sh- smacked. And Harden is just like laying on the court, lounging like on a towel with his hands behind his head, like he's done. I'm like, what are you doing? I have to look that up because I really can't remember who that was against, and I really like pissed me off. And I'm not even a Houston Rockets fan, um, just someone as a competitor. Like I just that body language turns me off. So if you can't tell, I don't like James Harden as a basketball player. I'm sure he's a nice guy, whatever. Um, if he goes to the Nets, who's apparently that's who wants him. That's going to be a complete and total disaster. You're going to have James Harden and Kyrie Irving, two of the exact same player, the two of the most toxic guys in the whole entire league. They both don't play defense, and they both don't pass on the same team. and who are, They're going to be arguing who's number one, who's number two, and in reality, they're not even the best player on their own team. Kevin Durant's the best player on that team. That's going to be a disaster, like complete train wreck. Um, And to make that money work, I'm assuming Brooklyn would have to trade their entire roster, which would, you know, consist some package of, you know, Levert, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Jared Allen. They're probably going to have to move DeAndre Jordan because he's got a pretty big contract. Like they'd have to trade a lot of dudes to go in there with three guys. Now, do they have three guys who are super, super, super talented? Yeah, they do. I mean, they probably have like three of the top, you know, 12 or 15 players in the entire NBA on one team. But you have two guys that have the ball that both don't care about defense. And I don't think, to me, care about winning because if they did, they'd actually, you know, try to make their teammates play better. Um, And then you'd have Kevin Durant just kind of on the side like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm actually the best player on this team. So, you know, if we could give me the ball, that would be great. Um, and we've seen Durant with Westbrook before, you know, early in his career, and he eventually he was just like, yo, I'm out of here. So if, if he goes to Brooklyn, that's going to be a disaster. Like, I can't even see that happening. There's, there's no way that works. Um, the other team that wants him... Oh, sorry, hold on. The Nets, I forgot. I was just reading about this about two or three hours ago. They actually, I forgot Steve Nash, hired Mike D'Antoni to be an assistant coach for the Nets. Could you imagine... Getting Mike D'Antoni away from Harden in Houston and then him reuniting with Dantoni for him to do the exact same thing they were just doing in Houston with him. Kyrie Irving would never touch the ball. He would turn into the Westbrook role, which is kinda of just stand out there and be a spot up shooter. You think Kyrie Irving's gonna do that? No. No, he's not gonna do that at all, because Kyrie's a diva. Slash I wouldn't be good basketball for the team anyway. Um so that's that's no. The Nets are not gonna work. The other team that's interested apparently is Philadelphia 76ers, obviously, because Daryl Morey is now the GM of that team. He's a big Harden guy. I don't know if I mean it's gonna work better than Nets, obviously. But if you if you pick up Harden, I'm assuming you're trading Simmons because he'd have to play with Embiid, right? But Embiid kinda clogs the lane. So you'd have to stand so you're just turning Embiid into a spot up three-point shooter, which I'm not in love with. But you can't trade Embiid for Harden because Ben Simmons literally can't shoot like at all. He's the bad version of Giannis. Giannis. So I don't know what a trade to Philadelphia would really look like, but I, I think it would work better just because, I mean, if you ran the 1-5 pick and roll with Harden and Embiid all game, the other team would be in big trouble. The only problem is you have two guys that have to this point, shown horrendous leadership capabilities. So I don't know if that's going to work. I doubt they trade him somewhere in the West. So pretty much all those teams are out. And then other than that, I don't really know... Like, obviously, teams would want James Harden, but I don't know, like, a logical fit that would be, like, you know, they have the assets to get him and the need to, like, really have him. You You know what I mean? Um... It's not like one of those sports like baseball, where you could, you know, or football, where you could trade someone to like the Cleveland Browns or trade someone to you know, like the Miami Marlins and be like, yeah, good, have fun there. Like your career will be over. Basketball is not really one of those sports. They kind of get out of that because um, obviously the players have so much power. So that's my thing on Harden. I think he, he might get moved. Well, I mean, if he keeps complaining, he's going to get moved. But the the Nets thing's not going to work. It's just not going to work. As for Westbrook, he also wants to get moved, and I only see one of two possibilities for him. One is some sorry excuse for a franchise like the New York Knicks. Make a trade for Westbrook because that would be a typical Knicks move. They would try to stay relevant because Kyrie and Kevin Durant are about to take over the city, number one. Number two, Dolan has no idea what he's doing. And number three is it would stunt all of the growth of their potential young, good players. So, obviously, that's a key Knicks move right there to screw up the franchise for even five to seven more seasons. Um, We can start the—listen, the Mets got—we got the Pons to sell the team. All right? So, anything's possible, baby. We can get Dolan out of here. It's going to be a lot harder, (laughs) but we can do it. So, don't give up hope. Um, The other scenario is they trade Harden. Rockets, trade Harden, and they end up keeping Westbrook because I'm not really sure where else he's going to go. There's a report out there that... um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. There's a report out there that the the Wizards and the Rockets could be in like a huge swap, like a John Wall for Westbrook swap. They're kind of the same guy, so I don't really know why you would do that other than I'm assuming Bradley Beal doesn't like John Wall but then he'll just like to not like Russell Westbrook Um, so yeah I I don't really know like Westbrook you know I I know I'm supposed to give you like my takes but like where where is he gonna go you know no one really wanted him last year no one really wants him this year (laughs) I mean, assuming, you know, besides the Knicks, because that's what they do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that is fascinating, for sure. You know, if any of you guys want to talk some some hoops, hit me up on Beak Brand's Instagram or my personal Instagram, and I'd be more than happy to, because we definitely need some hoop talk, even though I love uh, football, it's the middle of football season. So that's kind of what I got. You know, quick 30, 35 minutes. Um Like I said at the beginning, follow us at Beak Brand. You can follow me at Tim Ferdinand. If you ever want, like, listen, you want to say, Tim, you're an idiot? Hey, you could comment on it. I'm fine with that. You want to say, hey, Tim, you're a genius? All right, listen, I'll take it. You can comment that too. Or you could just be indifferent. That's fine. But definitely let me know. I'm super interactive on social media. Um, If you were here for Lou, he's not here, not a basketball guy. But you could follow him at Lou Jocks. Uh, He also has access to the Beak Brands account, so definitely hit him up. Um, And as more basketball news trickles in, hopefully we have enough content for another basketball podcast next week. Obviously, if you're here for football, that's not until Friday, where I preview all of the games um, and kind of do a little recap of the week before. So that's all I got for now. I will talk to you guys soon, and that's going to wrap it up for me.